sunshine. If we did a survey, we did a survey and we said, what's the path to happiness? People would say, well, that path would be get a good education, find my spouse, land that good job, maybe have a family, gain some financial security, and then retire. Come on. Hey, about that, Carl. Amen. We're full-time RVers. Amen. Then retire. I know a lot of people have all these things, but still, they're not happy. You know, the Bible gives a path to happiness. And if I gave you a hundred guesses, I gave you a thousand guesses, in your wildest dreams, you would not believe what the Bible says is the pathway to happiness. And it says this, the pathway of help, happiness is through humility. Everybody say humility. Through humility in relationships. Well, would you agree that one of the greatest killjoys or causes of unhappiness would be conflict? Some of you might be in conflict now or you know somebody that's on in conflict. You know, if you're in conflict, it doesn't matter how much money you have, how much success you have, how many friends you have. If you're in conflict all the time, it causes unhappiness. Man, you could be having a super day and you're like singing sunshiny day and all that. And you get around somebody that, that pours out and spews out. And you get out in an argument and happiness, boom, flies out the window. To have consistent and long-term happiness, we need to, I want to say reduce, we need to reduce conflict in our life, and uh, I don't think we'll completely eliminate it, but how many believe we can reduce some conflict in our life? So the habit of, uh, the habit of humility is important. The Bible says that pride always leads to arguments. You know, most of the time you're married to an opposite because opposites attract, opposites balance. Carmen and I, if it's red to me, it's black to her. If it's too loud, it's too soft to her. We've got where we kind of enjoy the same, same kind of foods and stuff. But we've had to learn that there has to be some humility because if we both stand on our ground on everything, then there's arguments and there's contention all the time. You know, the greatest explanation written to me about this connection between harmony, humility, and happiness is in our text today in Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Um, it, it gives, I, I'm going to read that, in fact. I'm going to take time to read that. But while I'm reading it, I want you to see if you can identify the four kinds of happiness, in, that are, the four kinds of harmony. I want you to see if you can see four keys to humility. And then I want to see if you can see where Jesus gave us the example. So I'm going to be reading out an NCV, okay? Does your life in Christ give you strength? Does his love comfort you? Do we share together in his spirit? Do you have mercy and kindness? If so, Paul said, make me very happy. I want you to see that. Make me very happy by, by this. By having the, everybody say same thoughts. Sharing the, everybody say same love. And having one mind and purpose. There's a big one. When you, when you do these things, do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, you need to be humble, give more, give, give more honor to others than yourself. Don't be just interested only in your life, come on, but be interested in someone other's life. In your lives, you must think and act like Christ Jesus. Christ himself, look at this, he was like God in everything, he was God. But he did not think that being equal with God was something key, something to be demanded. Instead, he gave up his place. He emptied himself to nothing, 
He was born a man, became a servant. While he was living on this earth, he humbled himself, and he was fully obedient to God, the Father, even when, look at this, even when it caused death, the death of the cross. So then after that, God raised him to the highest point, and God made his name greater than every other name, but at every knee shall bow in the name of Jesus, and on heaven and earth and under the earth, and one day everyone will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and bring glory to God the Father. Somebody say amen. amen. So Paul shares the ideal for relationships. He gives the ideal in that, in that very first verse. He says, you will make my joy complete. In other words, you'll create. Everybody say create. You'll create happiness. You'll make happiness for yourself and for others by having the same mind. You got to have the same mind. You have to have the same love. You have to say, have the same unity in the spirit. You have to see, have the same purpose. So we see the four kinds of harmony that reduce conflict in true relationships is one is having that mental harmony. That you and your wife or any relationship you're in, you have a harmony in what, in, in what you think about self. You're united in your thinking. You share the same love for things. That's an emotional harmony. And then you're united in the spirit. I don't know about you, but if you uh, have an unbelieving spouse, it's, you don't have that united in the spirit. So it's hard to have that, that, that unity in the spirit and that harmony. Thank God that you can serve your, your, your Lord together if you have a spouse to be able to do that. And then this last thing is directional harmony, where it says that you will be intentional on one purpose. Now, husbands and wives, I want you to think if you have those four ingredients, how many say that would make for some happy? That would make for some happy. We're, we're united emotionally. We're, we're united directionally. How many know what it's like to be disjointed uh, directionally in a marriage, in any kind of a relationship? So Paul gives us, if, if you want to reduce conflicts in your life, Paul gives us four ways to do that, something we can strive for. And he explains this path to harmony, and he says that harmony is the path to happiness. Uh, uh, I want to tell you something before we get into the four ways is I want to, let's say I want to warn you, or I want to pre, what I'm going to preach today, it is totally anti-cultural. It's not what you hear, and it's not the way that culture and society and modern society tells us to do it. But my comeback on that is, how's it going for you? How's it going for you? Not, not real good. So it, it's a radical, it, this, what I'm teaching today is a radical change. And the second thing, uh, it's not natural. It's not natural. What I'm going to teach you today is like if you broke your arm and you write with your right hand and you got to learn to write with your left hand. It's, it, it's not natural. The things of God are not natural. It's things you have to practice. You're not going to get this. You're not going to get this sermon this week. This is a sermon that you're going to have to stick in, in your mind and listen to, get the podcast and listen to it over and over if you really want it, if you really want that, if you really want to reduce conflict. I mean, it's something you've got to want. And third, it's going to be tested immediately. It, you're going to be tested today on, on these things. So let's look at this. With all that said, everybody said you still want it? Even though it's those three things, how many of you still want it? So the truth is, number one, never let pride be your guide. Never let pride be your guide. In all relationships, you should never let pride be your guide. Uh, pride is at the root of every sin. 
Most conflict we go through has that element of pride in there somewhere. If you look at pride, what's the middle letter of pride? If you look at crime, what's the middle letter of crime? If you look at sin, what's the middle letter of sin? I, 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 I. Pride is always at the root of all our problems. You know, that's why Satan got kicked out of heaven. Satan got kicked out of heaven because he said, I will ascend to heaven. I will establish my own rule. I don't have to listen to anybody. I will run the assemblies of the angels. God ain't doing a good job at all. I will climb. Sounds kind of like our world. I will climb to the top no matter what. I will become the God of most high. Hey, guys, seriously, many, I hate to say this, many have that satanic spirit. That just sounds like the world to me. That just sounded like our culture, our world. Climb to the top no matter what. You know, the, it, what I'm telling you, it's countercultural. This is radical. Because in our, in our modern society, we, re, we reward narcissism. I want to define narcissism. It, I, for, I, I just wanted to, to say that. We, we, am I saying that right? Narcissism. You know what narcissism is? You look at self-love, self-absorbed. Self-admire yourself. Self-centeredness. It's self, 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 self. That's narcissism. And we're like, ooh, that's a word. No, I'm never that. It, selfish people are. You know, we, 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 we reward that kind of behavior. Some of the most arrogant entertainers, some of the most arrogant athletes, some of the most haughtiest, sickening uh, uh, people, celebrities, we reward it, and we keep buying more of their albums. We keep wanting more of their stuff, and they're arrogant. They're so full of pride in themselves that it just they reek with it, and, and we reward that. Why? Society rewards that. We're not society. We're pilgrims in a strange land. We're not supposed to be like this world. We're to be in this world, but somebody give it up and say we're not to be of this world. Come on, I'm telling you, don't fall into it. Philippians 2 says, don't do anything from selfish ambition or vain conceit. You know, you see two things there. Selfish ambition says it's all about me. There's a difference. And vain conceit says, I'm always right. So if you have, I'm always right, and it's all about me, then you're prideful. You're prideful. You can't let those things guide you. Selfish ambition says it's about my needs. Does it fit my schedule? Is it practical for me? Is, is, is it if it's something that I don't have to go out of my way? You know, it was kind of out of the way that Christ went to the cross. And it wasn't real happy time. You know, uh, uh, selfish ambition is all about me. You know, I've seen people walk out of marriages because that marriage didn't fit, fit their success or their career. I've seen women choose men or men choose women. So they can have a different prestige or a different image or different money or more money or, or something. It's that there's a, there's, there's a pride that's got to be fed in human beings. And as Christians, we need to knock that down. Because the Bible says wherever there's selfish, look at this, wherever there's selfish ambition, it causes all kinds of problems. The Bible says in James 3.16, wherever there is jealousy or selfish ambition, look at this, look at this. You will find, what is it? Say it. You will find what? 
chaos, confusion? Is your workplace chaotic? Yeah. Is your home chaotic? <laughs> it, are, it, are you in relationship that there's confusion? Uh, look at the word here. And then every kind of evil follows that. It's a, it's a cesspool. It's a, it, it's a cesspool. But whenever there's confusion, whenever there's selfish ambition, and whenever people are all about me, 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 and I'm always right, there's confusion. There's confusion. And the Bible says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is no confusion. Anybody know that? So, so, so it always says, says where there's confusion, it says all other kinds of evil. I won't do it. I won't talk about it. You want to talk about politics for a minute? Selfish ambition? All kinds of evil? All about party and who cares about we the people anymore? Come on! I'm, I'm off that. Selfish ambition! Selfish ambition! And we can't be that way. It causes confusion. Marriage, politics, church, work, government shutdowns. It's all about me. Selfish ambition. Selfish ambition. And then there's vain conceit. Vain conceit is when you're self-opinionated. When you got an opinion on everything and, every, and your opinion is better than everybody's and you're right all the time. You're, you're, you're professional and everything. I'll never forget when we work in this church in Ray who has built thousands of homes. I'll never forget some guy was in here that never picked up a hammer arguing with Ray about how to do something. I'm like, yo, dude, set your bottom down. This guy's built about a thousand houses. This is the first time you picked up a hammer, but you think you know all about it. I'm telling you, some people are so conceited. Conceited. You know, if somebody's... People do it to, to, to me at the church world all the time. People think all of a sudden that, that, that they've got the know-how. They can see, man. They can see. I'll tell you how Braden ought to do it. How, how Brian ought to do it. How the church ought to do it. How you're, you're, you're looking at somebody's business, how they ought to do it. Hey, guys, we need to be careful of that. We need to be careful of that. Hey, I told you this is anti-cultural. Um, we, we need to check that in. Vain conceit can't admit it's wrong. It has to win. It can't back down. And Galatians, I'm not going to read it, uh, but Galatians talks about, um, Paul said there's 17 effects of people living with pride. He calls it living to the flesh. But what I want you to do is I want you to read that. It starts with self-indulgence and sexual immorality and wild partying and getting drunk. I mean, those are givens. But out of the 17, 13 of them are relational. So you guys that aren't wild parties, partiers and drunkards and going and having sex with everybody and you, you knock yourself out trying to pat yourself on the back, read the rest of that list. Read the rest of that list. Well, why you, today I said, Lord, that's kind of a tough word. It's kind of a tough word. Humility is good. Humility is good. We need a dose of humility sometime. I challenge you to read that Galatians. It's Galatians uh, chapter 5. Um, re read that. Number two, I must be humble or I will stumble. I must be humble or I will stumble. Listen to this. If I'm not humble, my relationships will crumble. Humility is the basis of every marriage and every friendship. Humility doesn't know it all and have to win. Humility treats people with respect. 
And as we read in our scripture, humility gives more honor to others than yourself. Humility, a marriage and a relationship isn't 50-50. It's 110 and 110. The, the scripture we, we just said, man, don't do anything from selfish ambition or, or, or vain, conceit, get vain, vain conceit, but instead, be humble. Be humble. To me, we need to knock ourselves out in a marriage or knock ourselves out trying to honor the other one more than we honor ourselves. Knock yourself out. Brian, knock yourself out trying to honor Carmen. In a little bit, people that are, have authority, we're going to talk about that. Jesus gave all authority, but he didn't demand people say, hey, I'm God here. Do what I want. No, he knocked him himself out serving, honoring, and giving. Let's knock ourselves out and quit pushing ourselves up saying, I know everything. It's all about me. Because you will have conflict after conflict after conflict after conflict. You'll have it in your marriage. You'll have it at your work. You'll have it in, in family reunions. It'll be everywhere you go. Can somebody say, give me humility? Give me humility. You know, God promises. I want to define humility first. I want to define this. Humility to me is one of the greatest understood qualities that we need in life. Many think that humility is this. Many think humility is this. I'm a no good. I'm nothing. I'm a zero. Man, I can't do anything right. Really, guys, most people that do that, they're really prideful. It's a false humility. I really believe that. Humility is this. I would, I would challenge you to write this down. Humility is not thinking less of myself. Humility is thinking of myself less. Humility is not denying your strengths. Humility is being honest about them and knowing you need others around you. Humility is not putting myself down. Humility is about building others up. You don't have to put yourself down to be humble. Build others up. Humility is not about devaluing myself. I, I really struggle with that. But it's about simply valuing, valuing others more. If you walk in a room and you're like, what's everybody think about me? Do people notice me? How do I look? Man, I think they're looking at me. Uh, your focus is on you. Humility, lack of humility is when you're focused on you. But if you walk in your room and think, how can I help somebody today? And who needs me today? How can I focus on someone else? That's a good thing. Great people, I'd write this down. Great people make people feel great. Little people belittle people. I want to say that again. Great people make people feel great. Little people belittle people. You know, when you are humble, there's a lot of promises to you. There's promises of presence, there's promises of power from God, success and prosperity and honor. But if you're not, the Bible says in James 4, 6, that God opposes the proud. That opposer means he's on the other side, he ain't with you. In fact, there's very few things that God hates. But one thing that God does hate is a proud heart and a haughty spirit and a cocky look. 
You know, I, I didn't grow up real Christian or whatever, but if I was cocky or arrogant, my dad slapped me silly. Uh, I, I remember my, my <laughs> we were going through stories, didn't know he's doing this today. I was in mom and dad's this week, we were going through stories, and we were laughing about all this stuff, and, and mom said, hey, remember, uh, and I already know what she's going to say when she says it. I was a senior in high school. I mean, I, I, I thought I was it. Okay, I was a senior high school. I thought I was it, and all of a sudden, my best friend Ted was there. He was Missouri RC, NRCA Rookie of the Year in 1986. Incredible rodeo guy. And, and I'm sitting there, and my mom, uh, I smarted off to my mom. And I think I, I think I used some cussing. You didn't do that in the house. But anyway, I was on the phone, and all of a sudden, out of my peripheral vision, I see a and it's like, <laughs> and man, my mama can hit, trust me. My mama can hit, mm, she can hit. And my eyes start watering and my best friend Ted goes, <laughs> and he's laughing at me. You're crying, your mama hit you and I smarted off to him. I got my second butt kicking that day. I got one from Mama, and then I got one from Ted for smarting off to him. So, uh, I don't know, it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> you know, God just doesn't like haughtiness. Here's a happiness hint. Relations crumble when I'm not humble. Number three. Here's the third habit that will reduce and hopefully eliminate some of the conflict you're having. Listen to this one closely. Learn the lost art of paying attention. If you want to be happy in life and happy relationships, pay attention. I'm telling you, we live in an ADD world. Everybody's got it. Why? Because tools and technology and everything around us move so fast. We're always all texting. We're always phone messaging during meetings. We're walking around on the campus with our earbuds and our iPod on. We're, we're, we're going out to eat. Me and Carmen like to watch people go out to eat. We're going out to eat. We got two people we're eating with. And we're, all of our heads are down. And we're talking to 20 at the same time on our phones. And just pop, 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 pop. We're totally focused on video games or how many liked my post or, or I'm distracted because they didn't like my post and all this out. And we're just all over the stuff, all over the place. In fact, the other day I went and worked out with my son-in-law at the gym. And he said, man, Dad, everybody talks to you. I mean, everybody talks to you. And it's not the kind of talk where you're like, oh, I wish you'd get away, I'm trying to work out. It, it's just a little talk where you can tell when people are having their break and all. Yeah, you know, and he said, I don't get that. And I said, son, it's easy, look around. I don't have earbuds in. I don't have earbuds in. Man, we're missing out on some incredible relationships. We need to get where we pay attention to our surroundings. Hey, young people, I want to say something to you today. Do you know a lot of old people don't think you value them? And really, I know you do. I know you do. I know you do value them. But a lot of older people think that you don't value them because you don't pay attention. You don't pay attention. Husband, wife, friends, we need to learn to pay attention. You know, the Bible says here, it, it says, don't be interested only in your own life. 
But be, everybody say, interested in others. Care about them, too. That's particularly, that's particularly. Be interested in what your kids are interested in. You know, as a parent, we're like, my kid needs to be interested in dot, 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 dot. And we're so about, my kid needs to be interested. We need to back off a little and be like, what's my kid interested in? Something we never did as parents is we didn't force things down our kids' throats. Oh, I'm a pastor, you need to be a pastor. Or I'm a this, you need to be this. Guys, be interested. Be interested in what your, what's your wife's love language? What's your husband's love language? You know, you can listen and you can't be paying attention. I do that all my time. My wife doesn't let me buy with it. Oh, guys, I'm, I'm hurting you today because the wives are going to think you're here past your day. My wife doesn't let me buy with it. She'll talk sometimes. I don't even hear a word. It's just like, bum, 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 bum. no, I'm just kidding. No, she, I don't hear it. it, it but what it is, is, is I'm thinking about something else. I've even, <laughs> you guys got to see this video on YouTube. What's that thing called with the, with the old people? Oh, it was so hilarious. They were saying, Alexa, what? Alexa for seniors. You got to look that up. You got to look up Alexa for seniors. First, they name them whatever because the older people can't remember the name. And, and, then, and then when they get done, they taught Alexa to where the guys tell them the story. And Alexa did what? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And the guy's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I do that sometimes. And Carmen go, you didn't hear a word I just said. And I'm like, yeah, I did. <laughs> no, you didn't. Yeah, I did. I heard every single word. Now you all heard it. I heard every single word. Didn't repeat it. Oh. <laughs> now, let me give you the interpretation of what you said. No, it's <laughs> not translation. So, um, hey guys, let's let's try to be let's try to pay attention. We, can we do that? When I write these sermons, I try to live them. Now I'm telling you, it's countercultural. It's like trying to write with your left hand if you're right-handed, and uh, you get tested on it. But the way I look at it, you just keep plowing through it. Someday, maybe some of this stuff will. Get a little natural. Anybody out there say yes? yes. Then the last thing we do is ask Jesus what he would do. I love that where it says your attitude should be the same that Christ had. I love that. I love that. Your attitude, your, 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 your mindset, the way you are is modeled by Christ and ours should be just like his. You say, well, I don't know what that means, man. Well, how would Jesus act at school? How would Jesus act in marriage? How would he treat your wife, husband? Uh, acting like Jesus, to me, means three things. And I'd write these down. Number one, acting like Jesus means I don't demand what I think I deserve. That's powerful, isn't it? I don't demand what I think I deserve. Man, that causes conflict. Though he was God. Come on. Though he was God. He didn't say, yo, yo, I'm God here. Ye be listening. I, you know, I, I can do stuff with, with, with lightning and wind. Listen up here. 
He didn't cling to his rights. Hey, I'm God. I have the authority. I created. Husbands, you got the authority in the home, but does that mean that you're demanding? In our work, Christ had, he was God, but he didn't demand and claim his own rights. Guys, we're in an entitled, where aren't we? We are in an entitled generation. Seriously, young people, older people, we, we think that we have something coming to us. We're, we, there's an entitlement. I don't know where it came from. Hell, I guess. Um, but, you know, Philippians says, though he was God, he, he emptied himself. Everybody say empty yourself. Empty yourself. Empty yourself. So that's number one. Number two is I look for ways that I can serve. He took the nature of serving. Hey, he modeled it. If you, if you want to reduce conflict in your life, if you want to reduce conflict, I mean, this message has it. And then Jesus modeled it. He, he, the second thing is he said is, I look at ways that I can serve. He took upon himself the nature of a servant, becoming a human just like that, us. JFK said, ask not what your country can do for you. Finish it. This is a cool story I read. Um, I can't think of it. Truett. I think Truett, Kathy, is the founder of Chick-fil-A. I think it's Truett or something. His son, Dan. I, I know someone that, that knows the son. Um, they were setting up a new store, a Chick-fil-A store. They were setting up a new store. Talk about servanthood. They were setting up a new store, and while they were doing it, there was a Taco Bell, a competitor beside them. So they went over there and had uh, had Taco Bell, and they had been working, so their hands were dirty, and they went into the restroom, and uh, they were washing their hands. You know what Dan Cathy did? That's the son of Druid. He picked the trash up off the floor in Taco Bell. And then after he washed his hands, uh, I was even seeing this today. Whoever I went in the washroom with, uh, I know Larry was in there. He <laughs> in the boys' room. I mean, we were going over it. I mean, but whoever I was in the washroom today, I know this because I noticed this stuff. Whenever they got through washing their hands, they took the paper towel and wiped off the counter. That's serving. Uh, but this Dan, Kathy, he like cleaned their bathroom. Uh, he probably like, hey, give me a cleanser and some, and some stuff. And all that. No, he didn't do that, but he like cleaned it. Cleaned his competitors because he had a heart to serve. Brothers and sisters, we need a heart to serve. You know, the best example of serving is Jesus. The Bible says in John 13, 3 through 5, that Jesus knew that the Father put all things under his power and all things that come from with God, and he was returning from God. But after his meal, he clothed himself and wrapped himself with a towel. And then the last thing is do what's painful. Do what's right, even when it's painful. Do what's right, even when it's painful. And then I also like the scripture on that. It says, while living as a man, Jesus humbled himself even more by fully being obedient, praise him, by fully being obedient, praise him, by fully being obedient, oh, didn't mean that, praise him, be obedient if your carcass is up here. I mean, I didn't mean to do that. The scripture, not that it's the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit was like, 
like, like last week after church, I had like three people come up to me and say, I received Christ today. Guys, seriously, there's something about baptism. Please, Holy Spirit right now, put it on people's heart. Don't wait till you think you're ready. How many, how many know that that's not how you do it? You don't wait till you're ready. You, you, you just, man, I really, today, prayer team, come up. Come up today. If you're here and you receive salvation or you want to be baptized or you are going through something that you need help with or, or, or you need somebody to give you encouragement or you've got a bad doctor's report, these guys are here to pray for you. And we're going to close. With, I'm going to close with prayer. But after that, come forward and let them pray with you. If you want to be baptized, connect outside at the Connect Center. And remember to go look at Rock School of the Bible. The books are out there. Look at the books. That's an incredible course. But again, invite your friends next week. We are going to have a special service. We're going to take a, a, a week off on this series. And I'm gonna, I've got a sermon about 